The Athletic. Gakpo, Gakpo, Gakpo! En weer een goal van Cody Gakpo! Qatar gently weeps. It's day 10 at the World Cup. The hosts bow out. England beat Wales. USA defeat Iran. From Van Hal's Netherlands to Kristen Pulisic's Nether Regions, we round up all the day's winners and losers. Plus, we look ahead to Wednesday's action, the pressure on Argentina and the dangers of social media. It's totally at the World Cup, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Day 10 at the World Cup. Listen, thank you so much for joining us for another Totally At, the aforementioned tournament. In today, Adrian Clark and Matt Davis-Adams. Hello. Howdy. Hi. All right. Also going to hear from Alexander Abnos at the Althamama Stadium at that very dramatic USA-Iran game very, very shortly. Martin Mazur will be along later to talk about big game for Argentina on Wednesday. And also Mikhail Youngsmer on Are the Netherlands Any Good? Because we're all kind of wondering. Are England any good, Matt Davis-Adams? Oh, I think that they uh, played well against a limited opponent for half of the game here. I think perhaps the, the, the thing that has been proven is that perhaps Gareth Southgate is quite good and is capable of changing games by making decisions and bringing on players and changing where positions. This is first, uh, for, first for everything, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean this, uh, this does genuinely feel like quite a significant night for Gareth Southgate. Oh, is, yeah. that, is, that, is that over-egging yeah. it a little bit? I mean, I thought... the. The way that he swapped uh, Rashford and Foden just to play on opposite sides for the second half seems to make a massive difference in the game. But then we're talking about a Wales team who, yeah. OK, well, we'll come on to your, your breakdown of England 3, Wales nil very, very shortly. But playing at the same time as England were sealing their qualification for the last 16 was uh, USA 1, Iran nil. Mediocre USA going through to the knockout stages. <laughs> Who'd have thought, Aidan? Who'd have thought? Uh, pretty good, I've I got to say. I, I, I take my hat off to, to the coach, actually, Greg Berhalter. I thought he's, he's done a great job. He really has. And, and they do seem like a team that can handle the big occasion. Uh, I think that they performed above expectations against, against England. They were the better side. And with a lot of pressure here, this was a difficult game. A lot of people were fancying Iran. They bossed the game. It was only really towards the end where things got a little bit desperate that Iran put them under any kind of pressure. I think this young team have excelled themselves and well, well done to them. Excellent. All right. The other group in action today was Group A, which saw Netherlands beating Qatar 2-0. Qatar finish with the worst record of any host nation ever. Netherlands go through. And meanwhile, Ecuador and Senegal facing each other for the right to go uh, to the last 16 with the Dutch. And it was Senegal who triumphed here, a 2-1 victory. We'll get onto that later on. But Senegal will be facing England as a result on Sunday, while the Netherlands will be next up for the USA. Did you have a moment of the day, Matt and Adrian, that you wanted to, to bring out? It's a toss-up for me between those Senegal dancers with the letters painted on their bellies, whose rhythm was just mesmeric and... Qatar being hopeless and losing every game, if that's not too churlish to say. Can I have two moments of the day? Let's go for the Senegal dancers. That's All that right, was better. Yeah. I, uh, two for me in the US-Iran game. Um, the first one was a backheel nutmeg from Golizada. That was beautiful. It's a, it's, a, it's a rare occurrence. And the second one, I'm afraid it's Christian Pulisic's goal 
which was then followed by that painful looking mm. looking injury in the um, yeah in the midriff. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite funny. All right, excellent. Group B then. We'll start off with England's triumph over Wales. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. So the stage is left to Marcus Rashford with the free kick. Oh, what a free kick! And that was special! Marcus Rashford does it for England! All right, Group B had both Wales and England and Iran and USA playing at the same time. Matt, you were on England duties. Yes, and Wales duties. And Wales duties as well, but less so as the, the night wore on. Uh, you were telling us about Gareth Southgate, who not only brought in Marcus Rashford and Phil Foden, but swapped them around ruthlessly to further bamboozle the Welsh. Yeah, well, he made four changes in total, and, and bringing in Kyle Walker was obviously something of a risk, um, which seems to have paid off. He got, what, nearly an hour's worth of football, and, and Henderson coming in as well. But first half was, was very similar to the USA game, I think, with England huffing and puffing. And I think that's what Wales had taken their lead on in their approach to the game of almost, we can let these guys punch themselves out and turn on each other and the booze will rain down from the stands and and we can make hay from there. But whatever Southgate did or said at halftime clearly worked. England came out revitalised. I wonder also if perhaps the loss of Nico Williams for, for Wales played a part because it was down that side that at least one of the goal... Uh, goals came from in, in the second half. Um, but Wales, as has been the theme of the tournament, let down by some of the players who have been so vital for them throughout the years. You know, Ben Davis at fault for one of the goals. Bale apparently injured hauled off at half-time. Ramsey and Allen anonymous. And it all just felt, as it has done all tournament, that this was a step too far for them. And, and they go home, you know, having been to the World Cup for the first time in 64 years and left it having scored one goal, which was a penalty, and with one point. I think that there's real reason to look back with regret for them. But for England, they've won the group. They've, it, it's almost been vintage England. They've had the performance that we all get hyped up by, the one that we're all really disappointed by, uh, and then another one just to see you through to the knockout stages, albeit it's the first time in quite a while that they've topped the group at the World Cup. So all going a bit too well, mm. uh, possibly. Since 2006, actually, says producer Charlie. All right, so uh, Marcus Rashford opened the scoring with a wonderful free kick. Yeah, he's he's got this in his locker, hasn't he? I remember seeing him score one at Stamford Bridge for, for Man United a few years ago. Similarly, I heard some unkind people maybe questioning Danny Ward, uh, but I think it was just really well struck by Rashford. Um, again, it was a free kick that didn't really need to be given away, but it was Foden's running that had done that and kind of slaloming his way through the Wales defence and inviting the challenge and, and yeah, just, just well and truly thumped by Rashford. And before they'd even cleared their heads, there's Rashford again to pounce on a, a mistake from Ben Davis. Harry Kane, the silver boot uh, nominee, flashing one across the face of goal and, and turned in for 2-0 by, by Foden. Rashford by Foden. gets another mm. three and easy as you could say. Um, but yeah, Bellingham, exceptional, certainly in the first half again. Uh, Henderson certainly added something in, in terms of being Southgate's chief lieutenant on the field. Um, people like Trent Alexander-Arnold got some football, which which doesn't harm. And it's all looking pretty good for England at the moment. I'm probably not going to see the likes of Madison and Gallagher if we didn't see them tonight. But an interesting challenge awaits in Senegal and a new opponent for England and, and certainly a step up in class from, from what they faced in Iran 
and in Wales in particular, and, and possibly even from the USA, I'd say. We, we also saw uh, an appearance from Chesney Hawks. How was he? <laughs> uh, annoyingly, the BBC didn't broadcast that, uh, which was a real shame, I thought. I, I wonder I, which song he was I was going to say, I'm not sure what, what he played, <laughs> but um, there, was, there was only, only one contender, <laughs> yeah. I suppose you could say. Um, it was a moment of real quality, wasn't it, to open the game Chesney, up? Chesney, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not Chesney. Um, now, from Marcus Rashford, I think for, for all of England's improvements after the break and that, that slight tactical tweak, it was a moment of individual quality from a free kick that, that just opened the game up because then Wales had to come out and from there, I think England really tore at them and, and they pressed noticeably better in that second half. I just think this England team, because of all the quality they've got in forward areas, just need to be that little bit more proactive inside the opposition half, go hunting the ball, win it in good areas. Because on those transitions, Foden, Rashford, Kane, Saka, if he's playing Sterling, these are guys that all thrive off those situations rather than tepid side-to-side football. I I just feel that we, as a team need to create our own energy and create our own chances through through yeah through a bit more drive and, and we did see that in the second half so um and it was great to see Rashford on fire i think we're saying this while we we're watching the game weren't we from where he was last year at the end of of last season he looked broken as a player he didn't look like he was enjoying football maybe life you know we don't know what was going on inside his head at the time but he wasn't right he was low he just looked low and to see him uplifted this season and and to to go and produce that performance tonight on the on the big stage i think is really heartwarming and it just goes to show the importance of of, of the mental state of all of the players and we have i think as fans we always should take a little step back sometimes and just think you know how how are these players? Are they all right in themselves, rather than just going for uh, lambasting a poor performance? Because there's so many other things outside that can affect affect people. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm just delighted to see him back to his old self. Yeah, Matt, do you want to revise your comments about Wales in the light of all of that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say it's another credit for Southgate that he picked Rashford, mm. isn't it? Because he hadn't played for England mm. since the final of the Euros, I don't mm. think, before this World Cup. But but obviously, I think it was just I think it's a case of rotation because. He he knew England were through. He knew that they weren't going to to mess up and lose by four tonight. So it was a case of I'm I've got an opportunity here to give Saka and, and Sterling a breather, give Foden and Rashford a chance, and they took it, didn't they? So, Great night for the clamour, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like that, that what really does he do now? That is that is the big question, isn't it? For the for the game against Senegal, who do you go with? I don't know. We, we, we'll have ample pods to discuss that. <laughs> luckily. Luckily, uh, yeah, Wales go home, as we were saying during the game. You know, I mean, well done to them for getting to the World Cup, but it did feel like a bit of a, a wasted opportunity when you think that Ukraine could have been there instead. Yeah, I mean, as a half Welshman, I'm probably not going to agree with that necessarily. But there will be a lot of ruefulness from Wales. Mm. I, I certainly think so. I think, as I say, I understand why they started with the tactics that they did in this game, but they didn't work. They started with the, the wrong team and the wrong tactics in the first game, didn't they? And had to change it at half time to get a point. And then they were terrible against Iran. So there's culpability all round there. I think there's culpability for the coaching and for the players. I think for Rob Page, has probably been guilty of, of just being too kind to, to a Gareth Bale, to, to Aaron Ramsey. Gareth Bale didn't look right, did he? The only thing he really did across the three games was was, was win the penalty and, and slot it home. In this game, five passes, 
just one successful pass in the match. And I know he was withdrawn at half time right. with a quote marks injury. Um, but yeah, not the way he would want to bow out of World Cup final football. You know, he's, he's had a great career, but it was not, was not, he's not ended on a high, that's for sure. Indeed not. All right. Next up for us, we'll look at the other game from Group B. USA 1, Iran 0. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad, and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Dest making a big run. It's been for him. Dest is stuck in behind. Dest in the middle. Pulisic scores. Might have paid the price, but the U.S. takes the lead. USA through to the knockout stages for the first time since 2010. Joining us now on the whistle from the Althumama Stadium, Alexander Amnos. Alex, first of all, how's the adrenaline? Uh, <laughs> still pumping. Uh, still, uh, still coursing through my veins. That was uh, that was one heck of a finish. I, I, you know, so many things went wrong uh, for the U.S. So many things went wrong for wrong for Iran. Uh, I really had no idea who was going to advance until the final whistle was blown. But it turns out it's the U.S. So how about that? How about that? Yeah, it was a very slender lead to nurse through all the second half and then those 9, 10, 11 minutes of time added on, particularly against an Iran side that, that against Wales struck so very late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that was in the back of my mind and in the back of uh, my colleagues Paul Tonoria and Sam Stasel's mind the entire time. Uh, I was there for that uh, Wales-Iran game and the thing that I'll remember most is just how Iran never really kept pushing. They never really lost belief. Uh, I think the difference tonight was Iran just, th- their quality, for whatever reason, took took a nosedive. They were in the same position, they were trying the same patterns, they had the same basic attitude, but it was literally just like cleanliness on the ball that did them in. They had a lot of touches that got away from them, a lot of passes that weren't exactly in the right spot, and uh, you know the U.S. didn't really offer much in the second half, uh, but uh, you know Iran wasn't able to, to do it themselves either. Well, the other big difference, of course, was the goal by Christian Pulisic, Captain course, America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's a? I mean, he's he's such a big game player for the USMNT, but that's got to rank right up there in terms of the importance of his goals. I mean, this is. I, I think it's a pretty easy argument that that's the most important goal that Christian Pulisic has scored for the national team. 
uh, in his career. Uh, the previous high for that would, would probably be in the Nations League final uh, from, uh, from last year against Mexico. He scored a, a penalty in extra time uh, to, to win that game 3-2 in extra time. That was kind of one of his signature moments. He scored a bunch, a bunch of other really, really important ones in qualifiers uh, that are obviously important because they're qualifiers. But the World Cup is different, as we all know. And uh, scoring in one uh, can, uh, can change your reputation for the better. And uh, he proved it again today. It was a goal that took him out of the side, though, because he had to come off with, a, a, I think, an abdomen injury was the official version after, after he smacked into Berenband. Uh, Timothy Ware with an, what was going to be an extraordinary goal if he hadn't been a fraction offside. Yeah. But it speaks to the fact that there is there is quality in this US MNT. Oh, there there absolutely is, and I think that they're capable of playing many many times uh, better than they did than they did today. Uh, you know, they were uh, I don't know exactly what the term is, and I'm I'm not like a tactical <laughs> genius, so I can't break down right here and there what exactly they did wrong. But generally speaking. The energy was down. I think particularly their subs didn't really impact the game in a positive way. Uh, I thought uh, uh, Haji Wright coming in at striker, you know, you want somebody at that point to put pressure on, Irani, uh, on Iran's back line. He's got fresh legs. He's, got, he's supposedly got energy having sat on the bench the whole time. And he really offered nothing. Kellen Acosta did s some of the same. I mean, uh, you know, Iran, again, should have had more chances than they got, uh, but their quality let them down, and the U.S. Uh, escaped. It sounds like I'm being harsh on the U.S. in a game that they won, uh, but I really, I really think that they're capable of much better than they than they were uh, showing today. Okay, and they, they, they may need to be much better next Saturday when they face the Netherlands, Alex. Yeah, that will be a different type of challenge for sure. I think. Uh, you know, the, the optimistic take is that this U.S. team, you know, they're young and they have shown an ability over the last several years to play up to the level of their competition. We certainly saw that against England, where they put in a pretty great performance, uh, certainly much better than we saw today. Uh, so that would be the, optim the optimist take. They, they're, they're through the hard part. They're into the knockout rounds. They feel like they kind of have a new lease on life here. And, uh, you know, the Netherlands are a good team, but... Uh, I'm sure that Greg Berhalter and everybody will, will be trying to uh, find weaknesses to exploit. And, you know, who, who knows how that side of the bracket shakes out. But knockout, knockout rounds are different. Anything can happen. Lovely stuff from Alexander Abnos there and whoever was on the PA at the Al-Thumama Stadium. Oh, Alex saying he's not a tactical genius, but... Adrian, you clearly are. So what did you make of uh, USA's victorious performance? Well, they were tactically much better than Iran. No doubt about that in this game. I, in, I th in what way? What did they do? Well, I think that they they took the fight to Iran. They were aggressive. They were assertive. Their midfield again, and we keep banging on about their midfield. But it is really good. It's impressive. I thought Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and in particular, Yunus Musa were really impressive. It was his 20th birthday today. A terrific performance from him. And they just rocked Iran onto the back foot. At half-time, 9-0 mm -hmm. up in terms of shots on goal. Really? Which I think in, in a game that where, where they knew they had to go and go out right. and win it was was pretty impressive. But the second half looked very, very different. Yeah, yeah, it, it was different. I think Iran were obviously going to come back into it. Um, they they upped the tempo. They they. They got busier. They took off the striker. And I think this is why, tactically, Burhalter got his team right, the initial team right. Maybe some of his subs 
worsened the team a little bit too much. But but Carlos Quiroz went went with Asmoon, who did so well against Wales, but isn't fully fit. And what he, what what happened there is that it shifted Tarimi to the left hand side of the attack, a Bamiang style. He's in that left sided forward role. For me, Tarimi is a, is his best down the middle. He's their best finisher, and he didn't get a sniff of goal, obviously, in that first half. But more tellingly, he was the one culpable, in my opinion, for for the goal that that won the game. Uh, Weston McKenney sees the run of Serginio Dest. It was brilliant in the first half, the buccaneering right back. And he runs off of Tarimi, who basically just doesn't want to track back. He's a striker. It's not what he's trained to do. He switches off. Dest nods the ball across the face of goal and, and Pulisic bundles it home. So... You know, when you break it down, Carlos Quiros and his team selection and where he put his players, I think ultimately cost Iran the game. There you go. USA goes through. They'll be facing the Netherlands on Saturday. But beyond even the qualification, a huge important result, I guess, in prospect of the next World Cup, because we'll see about Mexico. As it stands, it's extremely likely that USA will be the only one of the next of the trio of, of the hosts of the next World Cup who will be into the knockout stages of this tournament. Crikey. All right, well, uh, next up, let's get on to Group A and the Netherlands and Senegal. Now, incredible game. When they play with a false nine, it changes everything. A false nine, eh? What's that, then? Well, it, it's, um, <laughs> you, you know, it, it's what well, he's, he's a nine, but he's not really a nine in the area and... Uh, Oh, sorry, I've just got to take that. Urgent football question? Call the Athletic Emergency Football Hotline 0800 433 433. News, insights, analysis, The Athletic. Know the game, love the game. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Tuesday afternoon, Group A in action. Senegal ain't got no money, but they've got a place in the last 16, Matt Davis-Adams. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think they were worthy of it, certainly from this game. Ecuador been a little bit cowed, maybe, and, and Senegal just kind of putting it all out you there. Mentioned that, you mentioned the, the painted tummies, but yes. the drums as well, mm, the drums. Mm, yeah, and and I think in Ali Ucise, they they've got a really promising coach. I'm really interested to see what, what his next move is, you know, because there's only, he's already won AFCON, hasn't he? He's, he's probably not going to win the World Cup with Senegal, but you'd say he's kind of completed the job. Um, so interested to see what he does next. Uh, I think that losing Idrissa Gay for the England game might prove to be um, fairly significant for Senegal. Mm. Um, he got a yellow card for for, for, for a clattering platter, uh, basically. Uh, Senegal took the lead 
through a penalty won and converted by Ismail Assar, which moved them in second place in, in the group behind Netherlands. But then Casado, from the corner, I think it was, equalised. This was 66 minutes in, and Ecuador were back into second place, and Senegal seemed to take that personally. <laughs> yeah, because then Koulibaly, who I thought actually probably was at fault, uh, Adrian thinks that it was the whole Senegal defence for the goal that they conceded, but it looked to me as if it was Koulibaly who'd lost his man. Um, but there he is, hooking in what I'm going to call a trademark volley. If you look at the goal that he scored for Chelsea against Spurs uh, earlier this season, this was a very, very similar to his first international goal, which I was... Surprised to learn, Kaladukulibari. A Chelsea player who's not been doing too well for his club, but doing well internationally. All of a sudden, it's become the theme, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He sorted his feet out so well for that goal because it all happened so quickly. But he shuffled his feet and he got himself into a position where he could just get a decent bit of contact onto the ball. I thought it was it was a finish that he should feel incredibly proud of. I mean, it was just an example, wasn't it, of a big player in a big match, stepping up with a big moment. And, and yeah, Koulibaly was was the hero for Senegal. They were good. I, I, I thought they, again, with the pressure on, they raised their game. And, and uh, yeah, Ali Ususe, I think, is a decent tactician. It certainly worked out Ecuador pretty early on in the game. Ecuador were a mess, by the way. I, I was... I made them favourites going into the game based on what I'd seen previously. But the back four were panicking from minute one. Right. You, I was looking at the at the rear guard. Now, they should be in the, either in a line or the centre-back should be just a yard behind the full-backs, you know, on the bevel. That's how you should be. And they were just like a, a, a jaggedy. One player was in front of the other, the other one was behind. It, it was a mess. And if you look at that first goal where Senegal win the penalty from the quick free kick... That back four is all over the gaff and and that was the theme really um, as far as I could see it and, and Senegal were good enough to take advantage and they've got some good players haven't they Senegal? Well yeah, Gay is not going to be available for the game on Sunday against England. What else can we expect from the lines of Taranga, the uh, reigning African Cup of Nations champions of course? Well I think that is really important because they're winners. They've climbed the mountain, haven't they, already? I know it's the African Cup of Nations where they're among the favourites, but they've still won a major trophy. And what I saw here was a team that's got a lot of spirit, character and organisation and grit, really. Even though they were better than Ecuador, there were still moments in the game where they needed to sort of pull together as a group and they did it. And... I think they'd be quite tricky opponents for, for England. Yeah, they, they, they are tactically, I would suggest, the most astute African side at the tournament. How, how do they play then, Adrian? I mean, in this game, they were very much seemed to be coming at you. They were down the wings. They yeah. were good down the wings, weren't they, Matt? I mean, Ismail Assar down the left. Um, we know all about him. Uh, Ilimun and Jai down the right um, for three quarters of the match. Sheffield United player that we know very well. This is a kid that's been brilliant this season. Was in non-league two or three years ago. He's come into the EFL and he's shone for Sheffield United as a striker, as a number 10. I've seen him play in central midfield for passages of games. He's looked great in all of them. And, to, uh, and in this game, he was on the right wing and he, he looked at home, I thought. So they got good wingers. I think they're lacking a striker with no Sadio Mane. I think I think that's an issue. But in yeah, in general, they are strong at the back and down the wings. And uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it will be an awkward game. It's what England will be favourites for, but but they have dangerous players. All five of their goals so far have come from different players. Matt, anything you'd like to add about 
Senegal? Um, I wasn't going to say that, yeah, I did tip up Eleven in Jai um, on the show that I was on last week to be one one of the did um, you, Matt? potential... Yeah, yeah, one of the potential game changers for Senegal. I think that's going to be interesting, whether it's a half-fit Kyle Walker um, or Kieran Trippier mm. and, and Luke Shaw against Saren and Jai, that, that is, um, that's one to watch. I mean, was that the most beautifully dispatched penalty of the tournament so far? I do feel like we've seen some good ones, but when you get it right in the corner of the net like that, it's... So nonchalant, wasn't it? It couldn't have been in, more in the corner. And it was just, it was so cash the way he delivered it, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know how they do that in those real pressure moments, just to just to stay as calm as that. Yeah, tip my hat to him. Incredible. Ecuador broken at the end, then Senegal goes through. Uh, next up, let's hear about Netherlands and a slightly less pressured encounter with Qatar. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by Live Score Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Tuesday afternoon also saw Louis van Gaal's Netherlands taking on Qatar. Not many fans turned up for this, given that it was the host nation's final game in the tournament. They have become, as I mentioned before, the, the host nation with the worst record. The first host nation to lose all of their group matches at the World Cup. The first host nation to concede... More than five goals in a group stage. They, they, they racked up per seven conceded and, in the end. And they, how long have they been together? Is it they've been yeah, together well, for maybe, about three or four months? Maybe too long. Definitely too yeah. long. Yeah. No, you, you, can, you can definitely spend too long with people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, there you go. That's Qatar. Uh, as for the Netherlands, we are still wondering, given the group they're in, are they any good? So let's get the opinion now of our favourite Dutch expert, Michael Jongsmer. Hello, Mikael. Hi, Jimbo. How are you doing? Pretty good. How, though, are the Netherlands doing? This group's been a bit of a stroll, and I think a lot of people still have questions, but I guess the one thing that we do know for sure is that you have a star in your ranks. Um, I suppose you're talking about Cody Gakpo, although I think Van Gaal has been the, the star in the media so far. Okay. So. I, it was Cody Gakpo I was thinking of. Three shots, three goals, one with his left, one with his right one with his head. Of the five goals scored in Qatar by Netherlands, he scored three of them. Yeah, and he's, he's a, he is a very good player. He's been really dominant in the Eredivisie this season. Um, he's, he's quite an unusual type because he is quite tall, but he plays as a winger, whereas most forwards uh, that are as tall as he is tend to become uh, more of the striker type. But uh, yeah, he's He's been uh, he's been very efficient so far, and he is such a clean, clean finisher. Technically very gifted, um, yeah. And one of the one of the few bright individual performances of this Dutch team so far, I would say. Mm. People making all sorts of comparisons uh, for him, illustrious ones too. He's the fourth Dutch player ever to score in three consecutive World Cup matches, along with uh, Burkamp, Schneider, and, and Neeskens. Uh, Michael Cox uh, comparing his role with this Netherlands side to that of. Iron Robin. How, how much can we read into, though, both for him and indeed for the Netherlands, what's been a, a bit of a stroll, this group? Yeah, but I think uh, in the Netherlands, the, there has been quite a bit more pessimism because this doesn't feel like a strong group. I think everyone thought the Dutch were lucky to get this group. Then Sadio Mane, uh, probably the most accomplished forward player in the group, was was out of the World Cup as well. So that, that was... Uh, kind of a windfall for the Dutch and all in all they have not been impressive at all this was the first match where they felt kind of dominant 
Um, and in, in that sense, it has a few comparisons with, uh, with the, the last Euros of the Netherlands, where uh, they had a, quite an easy group, uh, stroll through the group, uh, and then faced a stronger opposition. So I think most people in the Netherlands are actually quite anxious to see what's going on with this Dutch team, because it hasn't been a, a fluent footballing machine uh, as much as people uh, will be hoping for. And Cody Gakpo obviously is uh, one of the few bright spots, but I think when you compare the the, the Iron Robin performance, especially during the World Cup uh, in 2014, to what Cody Gakpo has done so far, I think there's quite a huge gap in, in quality and talent between the two. Mm. All right, so far then. But they wouldn't be the first Dutch side or the first side from any nation to begin a little bit slowly and pick up speed and momentum as the tournament progresses. If, if we're not convinced that they're so far adding up to the sum of their parts, how far, how much potential is there in this Netherlands side? It is quite difficult. Louis van Gaal was, was saying this summer that he thought this was a better squad than his team that he took to uh, the semifinals of the World Cup in 2014. Uh, but I think when you when you look back at that side, there were quite a few up-and-coming talents that that turned out to be really good. You had some absolute superstars in Arjen Robben and Van Persie, um, and uh, and 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 this side has some superstars as well. But uh, instead of being in in good shape, uh, looking sharp, um, those superstars are are very much defenders and not looking all their best. The only one that really stands out at the moment probably is Frankie de Jong, who's been quite good. Uh, but Virgil van Dijk hasn't really been his usual self. Memphis Depay has been injured and uh, got his first start of the tournament today. Looks quite good. Uh, so it's it's a very, yeah, very unsure slide at the moment. And uh, there, I think that there is a there is quite a, a bit bit of upside in this team because they should be able to yeah, look a bit more comfortable on the ball. They should be able to to just show a bit more more spark, a bit more creativity. Uh, and I think uh, the inclusion of Memphis Depay today showed that um, yeah, that this squad has has some players that can make that difference as well. Uh, but they do need to show a bit more than they've have done so far because um, yeah, when you look at the the more impressive sides uh, during this World Cup, I would say that the Dutch are definitely not one of them. Okay, what what are you most hoping to see then from the Netherlands going into the last sixteen? Memphis is is integral in anything that they will accomplish as well. Uh, he's not been um, that impressive uh, during his stint at Barcelona, but ever since he he basically got into the the Netherlands side uh, eight 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 years ago, he has been the 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 one key player in attack. And it, I mean, Cody Gakpo now takes the headlines, but. Throughout the years, it's always been Memphis Depay plus one, uh, one Robin to Memphis's Batman, so to speak. And now it's Gakpo, but Memphis is very much the key to to anything that they will do. So I think people uh, in the Netherlands will very much focus on what he can bring, um, just in the in the business end of the tournament. Mikhail Youngsma. Adrian, you got any thoughts on the Netherlands? That Gagpo goal, what did, you, what did you think of that? Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I loved it because it was a cheeky little back flick. Nice little one-two, wasn't it, with Klassen? And then the touch is a little bit heavy. And he's running, he, he's basically trying to get to the ball before the defender, which stops him going for what I think would have been his first choice of shot, which was the curler. So in the end, he just has to spank it with his instep. Right. And he, boy, does he spank it. That was a really, really good strike into the bottom corner. Um, and it was the finish of a really confident player. I, I do like the look of him. He sort of flits in and out, but 
but down the middle, because whenever I've seen him before, he's been a wide forward, sort of on the edge of games. I think in that position that we saw him today, a little bit more century, he looked very, very dangerous. As for the Dutch, I don't know either. <laughs> it's the no, truth. Two, sh- two shots in the last game. Pretty pathetic, really. Um, and they only had 13 against Qatar. And we know how bad Qatar are. Four of them on target, two of them went in. So it's not as if they peppered the goal, is it, in this, this game? This is quite a theme, though, isn't it? Yeah. What, Iran had one shot on target tonight mm. as well in a game that they needed to mm. win? It does feel like it's been something of a theme in the tournament. It also feels a little bit trolly to bring on Wout Weghorst and Vincent Jansen. <laughs> uh, but I respect that. From yeah, Paul Felix Sanchez looking pretty miserable on the sideline for Qatar. Although I, th- I feel like it can't be long before Ajax have him. As manager, no, he's very much their their type. Uh, all right, well that that's Tuesday. Then we've got another set of do or die matches coming up on Wednesday with Group C and D. So let's have a chat about that next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Group C and D take their final group stage matches on Wednesday. France already through from Group D. Everybody else could still make it through to the knockout stages. At three o'clock, two games, uh, Tunisia taking on France. Even a win may not be enough for Tunisia, who are bottom of uh, Group D with just one point. Uh, France already through, having won their last six World Cup games. Crikey. Australia-Denmark is the other match at three, battling to go through alongside France, Australia on three points, Denmark level with Tunisia on one. So the point probably enough. No, the point is definitely enough for Australia, Matt. Yeah, I feel like this is tailor-made for Australia as well. I think I think they're well capable of sitting behind the ball, frustrating Denmark. And I think that Denmark are fine till it gets to the penalty area. And then all of a sudden, 
you're relying on either Andreas Cornelius, who, who couldn't quite cut it at Cardiff and his last goals came against the Danish third division side, or Martin Brathwaite, who's not quite a one-in-four man in international football. I think this has got the hallmarks of, a, of an Australia pack. As long as the Australian the players aren't too overtired, their manager, Graham Arnold, warning them about the dangers of social media. They'll get on that until 4 or 5 a.m., watch all the great comments and enjoy all that shit. And it affects the sleep patterns. You're up until 5 a.m. looking at good comments. The same people backing you are the ones killing you the day after. So just get rid of it. Don't look at it. Welsh, is he, Graham Arnold? <laughs> That's harsh, <laughs> Matt. I mean, he's probably right, isn't he, to he be fair? Right. But, but you would think that uh, his players would not be doing that the night before. I bet they are, though. I would be. Especially after I've just had a 1-0 win against Tunisia. Yeah, just after that, fine, but not tonight. um, Not tonight. Or or the night before. If you're listening, Australian players, get some rest. (laughs) rest. Listen, that's fine, but yeah. yeah, I think we might help with their sleep and all that. (laughs) Anyway, They're not going to win this game, by the way. Well, Australia. Denmark will win the game. Come on. With your your incredible powers of (laughs) (laughs) prediction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I just think they're they're a level above Australia. I I, I thought, actually, in the game against France... They're two points beneath them. I know, but I saw signs. They, they They scored one. They could have had two or three that second half against France I, th- I felt they were growing into the tournament so yeah I think Australia have had their moment they got a great win against Tunisia uh, that no one will remember apart from the Aussies um, but Denmark should win this alright producer Charlie Truth. clip that up Group C take the field at 7 o'clock on Wednesday UK time of course the matches here Saudi Arabia and Mexico and Poland Argentina the group currently reads Poland top on four points Argentina and Saudi Arabia on three, and Mexico on just one. Yet to score a goal, Matt, as they prepare to face uh, the Mexicans at Saudi Arabia in, in uh, well, uh, that's going to be quite a game. Do you think so? I'm finding it a, a bit hard to get hype for this one. Because really? I just feel like if either of these two go through, they go out in the next round anyway. Right. Is that unkind? And also, I, mean, I have if- watched Mexico play, yeah. um, which I didn't particularly enjoy. Uh, so yeah, I'm, it's Poland Argentina in this group for me. Okay. I'm afraid. I mean, it's Saudi. You know, Saudi Arabia obviously did very well against Argentina and then looked a little flat. I just, I mean, we're talking about lack of shots. I don't think this is one where either goalkeeper is going to be. <laughs> well, Saudi Arabia have been quite quite positive. Yeah. I, think, I think I think they've gone for it. They outshot Poland by by quite a few. I am looking forward to it, especially the atmosphere. I think it'll be a cracking atmosphere. The Saudi fans are, are travelling, well, it's not too far for them, but there's just so many of them. And you can probably say the same for, for Mexico. So, no, I think this is a, a high-stakes game. And there's a bit of history here at, at stake for is Saudi that? Arabia. Well, her, her oh, Renard. If they go and, and, uh, right. Yeah, what, what an opportunity. Yeah. yeah, We've seen one or two teams bottle it as such when, 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 they're sort of, when the door was half ajar for them, thinking about Ecuador, thinking about Iran. So I'd quite like... Saudi Arabia to to get themselves over the line here. Okay. So the other game is Poland-Argentina. Poland leading the group, yet to concede a goal at this tournament so far, but facing a fired-up Messi and co, who are still, Argentina, a long way from shore of their knockout place. They need a better result in this game against Poland than Saudi Arabia, getting their match against Mexico. Yet more pressure for the Albi Celeste after what's been a pretty tense campaign so far. Uh, joining us on the line now from Buenos Aires is Argentine journalist Martin Mazur. 
Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're about to fly out to Qatar tomorrow, uh, and uh, which is interesting because Argentina could be out by the time you get there. I, I would say it's even more interesting because Argentina could be out and I still won't know until uh, a couple of hours because I will be departing when uh, first half is being played. So until you get connection, uh, it usually takes one hour, one and a half hours. So wow. I will have to wait. <laughs> it will be it will be a, a, a real World Cup thriller for me tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> Good Lord, good Lord. Well, I mean, already against Mexico in the second game, you could have been out. Uh, what was the reaction when when Messi finally broke through? Oh, the reaction, I mean, uh, everyone who's watched the game probably noticed uh, the kind of uh, intense intensity and, and, and deep emotions that were there. Uh, to be honest, I haven't seen anything remotely... L- similar to this only one game i remember it was brazil and chile in uh, 2014 in the world cup in brazil and when they went to penalties but they could have been out in the, in the last minute with uh, with that uh, shot that uh, hit the post and and i saw tiago silva i remember crying before the penalties julio cesar the goalkeeper was crying as well so that was the pressure and argentina even if they're playing in Qatar. Uh, it's like Argentina are playing here in 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 our country, and the pressure is huge. And I think they managed to convince all of us that after winning the Copa America and finishing the 28 uh, year spell without winning titles, at least official titles, um, the pressure was off. But uh, we immediately noticed that it wasn't the case. I mean, uh, considering that the, the World Cup is just starting, I'm a little bit worried about the, the, this kind of uh, heavy pressure and how they manage their, their emotions. This final uh, group stage game, then, you need to get a better result than Saudi Arabia do against Mexico in your clash with Poland. But then again, it's not just about getting out of the group. It's also ideally about finishing in first place because otherwise... Martin, you're going to be playing France in the last 16. France, who I'm sure you remember from your game against them in the last 16 of the last World Cup. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and if if you think about that game, also that, that game was incredible because Argentina were winning and only 25 minutes to go and then they couldn't, they couldn't resist. Mbappé, especially Mbappé, who plays on the left, Argentina are having... A lot of problems on the on the for the right back. Let's go. I would say I'm, I'm looking like a player now, but let's go game game by game. Argentina is more similar, at least this Argentina from Scaloni, it's more similar to the 20 final minutes against Mexico, in which you can see all the intensity, the pressing, the never surrender, um, aggression, and and every every ball is the last ball so it's uh at, at least in that in that period we could see that they had uh, woken up in a in a way i think it's important for argentina the idea that tomorrow they will enter uh, knowing that if they win they will be 
top of the group probably because Saudi Arabia would need to 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 win by a wider margin against Mexico the, so it's like a th three nil for Saudi Arabia one nil for, for for Argentina and that would uh, I think that would be enough for them to qualify first, but it's very unlikely. So um, I, I would say in terms of uh, at least peaceful atmosphere, the idea that tomorrow they will enter the pitch knowing that uh, if they win, they will be top of the group. It's like nothing has happened here. It's uh, ideal compared to where they were after 70, 70 minutes of play against Mexico. Martin Mazur there. Wow. I mean, it's Argentina, but uh, it's also Poland are tough to break down, aren't they? Wojciech Chesney in terrific form. Yeah, so you wonder if you might see a bit of Paolo Dybala. I don't know how fit he is in this uh, to, to play in this game, but Di Maria's not really done much, has he? So I wonder if there's maybe an opportunity to bring him in. And at the other end, I'm, I'm interested to see... There are a lot of questions asked about the, the centre of Argentina's defence, weren't they? And, and obviously we saw that against Saudi Arabia and then they didn't really have an attack to play against against Mexico. Well, they're going to be coming up against Robert Lewandowski, who's just scored a goal here. So I think that that's going to be a really interesting angle um, to this match and but then again you know Poland we're talking about shots on target they had three against South Korea and 36% possession but they, they, a draw is enough for them is that good is that bad have you ever gone into a game Clarky, where you need a draw and then you probably what have, does that do to your mindset I don't think you, yeah you can't really think that way especially if you sit back and let Argentina with, with Messi and co come at you for 90 minutes that's an incredibly dangerous game to play isn't it um, but but I would be nervous if I'm an Argentina fan because look at the goals they've scored. One's a penalty mm -hmm. and the other two are worldies, aren't they? For one, Is that a bad thing? Well, they're not creating clear-cut chances, uh, are they? They're not, right. I, I think it's always better or more promising if you're creating a stack of opportunities that your striker's missing mm. because you think, well, sooner or later it's going to come. But we haven't really seen that from Argentina although Martin's point was that in the last 20 minutes against Mexico uh, once Messi uh, scoring then Enzo Fernandez were incredible yeah, uh, it was it was more like it was about momentum and you do, I always feel that a lot of people were suggesting here that Argentina was over celebrating and we hate the celebration police don't we I, I'm all for it well I do anyway Arsenal's Adrian Clark there yeah yeah well I hate criticism of, of celebrating because football's fun if you score goals enjoy it um but, but that emotion, I think if there is a nation out there that feeds off emotion more than Argentina, I'm not sure I've seen them. Really? I think they love that. And I think they almost deliberately create that energy through this, through the, the joy of, of winning that game and scoring goals. So I expect them to carry on their momentum, but there are what they don't look like winners. And I tip them ahead of the competition to win it. And they, they don't look like potential champions at the moment, but maybe they'll grow into it. Well, we shall see. That game is coming up seven o'clock on Wednesday evening, UK time. And it'll be followed by us sitting right here in the studio and doing another totally at the World Cup. So hopefully you'll be joining us for that, listener. For today, that's a big full stop. Many thanks, Adrian. And Matt, producer Charlie, Martin Mazur, Mikhail Yongsma, and Alexander Abnos. Uh, and you, listener, always you. We'll be back in 24 hours' time. Do join us then. For now, it's goodbye. 
You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.